0: Welcome aboard. We will be your guides during this magical journey into the movies. It's the perfect job for us because we love the movies. It's showtime. Ready when you are, CB. Action. Welcome to Monorail Radio episode number 172. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. And welcome to the jungle. (laughs) Welcome to 2022. I hope it's not a jungle. I hope not, but it is going to be a Jungle January here on Monoreal Radio. Jungle theme. We are really excited about this. Actually, we kind of got this idea because a very loyal listener, Melissa, asked us to discuss 1994's Rudyard Kipling's The Jungle Book. Let me ask you a question. It's Okay, 1994 is when this movie came out. Do you consider this to be the first of the live-action remakes? Because there was such a gap between this and what we now know as the live-action remakes. I kind of want to know where you stand on this.
1: No, I don't really count it because I don't think at the time the intention was to remake everything. Not to mention, this is 1994. Aladdin came out the year before, so I don't think live-action remakes were a blip on the radar yet. I think this was just another way of retelling a very classic tale.
0: Yeah, and I I saw this movie in 1994, not in the movie theater. I had my father rent the tape from the video store. I intentionally did not want to see this in the movie theaters because Jungle Book was and still is my favorite Disney animated film. And I loved it so much that I remember seeing the trailers for this and having no interest in it and just wanting to wait until I could turn the tape off if I wasn't enjoying it. I was a weird kid. Like, I did not want to get stuck in a movie theater if it was a film I had no interest in. But what about you? Did you see this in theaters or did you wait?
1: My mom took us to see this in theaters because my brother was not quite as obsessed with Jungle Book as you are, but it was definitely his favorite, so... You know, I think she thought he'd be really into this. All right. Well, it is the first time that
0: I had personally sat to watch this since I watched half of it in 1994. So does 35-year-old Sean feel the same way about this movie as 8-year-old Sean? That, amongst many other things, is what we are here to discuss today.
1: This review is sponsored by the Hidden Mickey Supply Co. Products include Disney and Pixar-inspired 3D straw charms. Listeners of Monoreal Radio can get a 10% discount with the code MONOREAL10 at checkout. Visit Instagram or Etsy, search for Hidden Mickey Supply Co., and shop for all of your straw charm needs.
0: After Shere Khan kills his father, Mowgli is separated from the group he is traveling with and is orphaned in the jungle. Mowgli grows up amongst the wolves as well as with Bagheera Baloo and King Louie. Years later, the group Mowgli was separated from... Reappears and his childhood friend Kitty is now an adult just like he is. And now she is the love interest of Captain William Boone. After finding each other in the jungle, Mowgli tracks down the city that she is living in and becomes the target of Boone, who views Mowgli as a threat. Boone captures Mowgli and locks him up, but as a renewed interest in Mowgli, Or he has a renewed interest in Mowgli when they discover a dagger that he took from King Louis' palace. It was encrusted with jewels. Uh, So, of course, he wants treasure. This is Boone. Kitty tells her father, Colonel Bryden, that Mowgli is the boy who was separated from their group many years prior. With help from Dr. Plumford, they teach Mowgli to speak and reintroduce him to man's world. Colonel Bryden wishes to send Kitty back to England to settle down and start a family, but she pushes back. Captain Boone proposes to Kitty, who accepts because it will keep her in India, where she really wants to be. He also tells Mowgli that he wishes to be taken to the treasure hidden at Monkey City, but Mowgli initially refuses. Mowgli, having been rejected by all of the people in the city, returns to the jungle, while Kitty uh, Kitty tells Boone that she has changed her mind and she will not marry him. Her father sends her away to England, but they are intercepted by Boone and his men, who are in the jungle seeking treasure. After scuffling with Mowgli, they shoot Baloo, who is nearly killed but later saved by Plumford. Mowgli, Bagheera, and the Wolfpack fight off the men, but Bryden is shot and badly wounded. Mowgli agrees to take Boone and his men to Monkey City, where one by one, the jungle claims Boone's Men After fighting with Mowgli at Monkey City, Boon is killed by Ka as he is stealing the treasure. Mowgli and Kitty escape the temple, but run into Shere Khan, and instead of being killed, Shere Khan accepts Mowgli as a lord of the jungle, and Kitty decides that she is now going to spend her days with Mowgli. Now that Boon's been eaten by Ka, this is a (laughs) very different version of the movie. Than the original animated classic. It's so different.
1: It is. If anything, you know, it's funny that we're talking about live action remakes. To me, this feels closer to a live action remake of Tarzan than it does The Jungle Book. You know what? And this came
0: out, I think this was four or five years before Tarzan. So I tried not to let that distract me. Same. It was almost impossible not to because, I mean, if you think... They are basically the exact same film. They're almost the exact same movie. It's it's just that this has a treasure hunt element that Tarzan does not have.
1: No, and admittedly, I had to go back and look because I've never read the book, The Jungle Book. Right. And I was like, oh, maybe this is the source material that you know it had to do with English settlers being in India and and maybe it's pulling from there no not at all the Jungle Book was Mowgli being raised by a pack of wolves it's a collection of stort- short stories and it's based on Rudyard Kipling's own experience because his father uh, was in India for the first six years of his life and he was he spent his early childhood there right okay so let's
0: let's Kind of address the pun intended the elephant in the room. Okay. Um there's something missing here. And it was missing when I was a kid, and there is a part of it that is still missing now. And I, I I I'm not giving away my final review of this, but what I loved so much about the jungle book as a kid. And what I grew to appreciate about it more as an adult, the original, is that it was a coming-of-age story. Yes. It had so much charm because it was a coming-of-age story. When Mowgli sees a female for the first time and wanders off to the man village, he turns his back on Baloo and Bagheera. But ultimately, he was where he was supposed to be. Bagheera got him where he needed him to be, which was really Bagheera's... That was his motivation for the entire film. This movie lacks all of the charm that you love from The Jungle Book. Because it's no longer a coming-of-age story of a boy with his animals getting taken to the man village.
1: Exactly. And you lose that whole element of Mowgli having to make that choice, not just the coming of age story, but it is a character defining moment when he decides I'm going to leave my comfort zone. Right. Um, you know, and here, obviously they do show his early childhood. They do show that time jump, but it certainly loses a lot of exactly as you said, it's not just the coming of age thing, but, um, we, we see that he can hold his own in the jungle and that he survived.
0: And he's totally
1: jacked. Exactly. So it's if he's been living his adult life this way, like why change it up?
0: And this is where, even if you take the Disney animated Tarzan out of it, that's where this has almost become like Tarzan the Jungle Man. It's no longer the man cub. Exactly. And, and I, I kind of feel, I thought it was a miss when I was a kid, and I still feel that way now.
1: I completely agree. And I'm guessing that's why they did introduce Kitty as the love interest, because now he's got to have more of a reason to leave the jungle. But again, too close to Tarzan.
0: Yeah. Now let's rewind back to the beginning. I, I just wanted to get that out of the way because, quite honestly, if I didn't get it out of the way now, we would just beat that notion to death over the course of this conversation to the point where it gets repetitive and boring. But, I mean, that is, to me, the it's the biggest difference and I think it's the biggest flaw with the movie. No,
1: and I feel like without being repetitive, it is something that we are going to keep coming back to because you've you've lost what makes your main lovable character the main lovable character.
0: When you introduce the story, because Sam Neill, who plays uh, Bryden, he's Colonel Bryden, and he's also narrating at the beginning of the movie. And he says that this is a story about love. Eight-year-old Sean is out. <laughs> like Like, as a little boy that was growing up watching The Jungle Book... I'm not rehashing everything I just said about what made Mowgli so much fun and what made that movie so special. You didn't need to turn the Jungle Book into a love story.
1: Not to mention, it's Baggy that opens it up. This is a story about a boy named Mowgli. Yep. And yeah, I I miss that narration as much as I miss the, the animals being able to talk.
0: Put it. I'm going to put a pin in that for a moment because that actually bothered me a lot less in this viewing as it did in the first, but it's also the difference of nearly 30 years. The 90s were like such a time to be alive because for whatever reason... We had an obsession in the 90s with rom-coms and then taking things, you know, like the sinking of a Titanic, which was a tragedy, and turning it into a love story. And even in the early 2000s, taking something like, oh, I don't know, the bombing of Pearl Harbor and turning it into a love story. I don't know why in the 90s everything had to be a love story or a rom-com.
1: That is so true. I never realized that. It doesn't make sense. I guess, do we blame Meg Ryan for that? Is that where all of this started? Meg
0: Ryan, Julia Roberts, like all of those really talented actresses, may I say. Well, now Sandra Bullock was was later. It was after Speed. Um, All of those really talented actresses that got like typecast into like the you got male roles like Meg Ryan, they are partially to blame.
1: But that's exactly it, not just Meg Ryan, but it's the You Got Mail, it's the Sleepless in Seattle, it's, yeah, pretty much every Julia Roberts movie, I think that's what everybody latched onto in the 90s.
0: Yeah, so I don't know why the Jungle Book, much like the Titanic, turned into a love story, but it did, Um, and I just don't think, for all of the reasons I talked about earlier, that Mowgli, I don't I feel like he needed a love interest, but I also feel like they introduced it so young. Like, I mean, they were maybe four years old when they introduced that, like, he and Kitty have this, like, thing for each other.
1: See, I actually do like that because it grounds him. I I mean, to be clear, I don't like the romantic interest in the Jungle Book, period, end of story. But for if they're going to do it, and that's what we have to talk about, I do appreciate that they introduced her so early on. They said that they both lost their mothers during childbirth, so they have that connection, they have that friendship. Disney film. Of course. And um, (laughs) the only difference is we didn't see it play out. Right. Uh, And she gives him the bracelet. So it's almost sort of like a talisman to his old life, and that... I don't want to say it creates this idea that he does belong in the man world because that's what we spend the entire movie finding out. But I do like the symbolism of that bracelet. Um, What I also really like that they did here is that they give Shere Khan a reason to hunt. He's not just the vicious tiger. He's not just after Mowgli. We know that he's afraid of fire in the animation. I think in Favreau's live action, they took that one step further and they really fleshed that idea out of that's why he hates fire so much because man makes it and it destroys the jungle, it destroys life. Uh, So they definitely developed that idea even more. But here I thought it was really interesting how they presented it because they introduced this idea of the jungle law up front and that animals only kill for food and they pretty much allude to that the animals will leave you alone if you're only hunting for food and what is established now is that because man has started to hunt these animals for sport that's what is making Sher Khan upset and that's what's making him hunt down any any man that comes into the territory. Right, which is
0: why at the end of the movie, why he doesn't go after Mowgli because Mowgli is not hunting animals for sport.
1: Exactly. So I think that really works for this version. Although when Shere Khan does come to the village and he makes the attack, there is so much fire around. I kind of wish you still had that idea of him being afraid of it so they could have fended him off a little bit more, especially with so many people.
0: There were, there had to be a hundred people there and
1: and a A lot lot of of guns guns. (laughs) and nobody that
0: knows how to use one.
1: Exactly. I mean, I, I get faced with a tiger. I can't say that I wouldn't be, you know, paralyzed with fear, but there were so many people and that's it. You're hunters now. No, nobody got them. Really? That kind of lost me a little bit, but I do like the idea of giving him this reason for vindication
0: talking about a scene in the 90s that was like that did everything in the 90s so well that moment of to your point everybody has a gun crippled in fear you become a hunter you know how to use it and yet at the at the, at the same time literally everybody forgets how austin powers the first austin powers with <laughs> with that steamroller where he's just screaming no and and austin is just like get out of the way Get out of the way. Like, I'm moving too slow. Get out of the way. Yes. And he runs him down anyway in the first movie. Like, that was such... That was brilliant satire of just things in the 90s, again, you know. And it's such a big thing, like, in horror films, too, where you just... It's either Jason or Freddy Krueger or whoever, and you're running from them, and you just stand there and scream when it's like, you could have just kept running. That's kind of the feel that I got here.
1: It's chaotic. It's supposed to feel chaotic, but you can see so many people slowly making stupid mistakes yeah. in the chaos. <laughs> um, I will say though that in this world, I think that Mowgli's escape works because, speaking of fire, uh, he he's on a horse-drawn cart, right? I, I and his father was supposed to get on so that they could escape, and. Spoiler alert, his father gets eaten by Shere Khan right in front of him. Not eaten, but mauled. Um, because there is there is a doctor on hand that tries to save him and puts him dead. And he
0: brought a knife to a gunfight, his father, quite literally, and actually had more success than the people with the guns.
1: Exactly. But his father doesn't make it out, and Mowgli does, because the cart is on fire, so the horses are running, and Mowgli uh, escapes with his wolf puppy into the jungle. I think for this version, it works. But at the same time, just looking at Mowgli's character, wouldn't he know the jungle too well to get lost and not try to make his way back to them?
0: Here's the other thing. Everybody is screaming. (laughs) You have fire everywhere. It would not be that difficult to work your way back. And to your point, now to to touch on something you said before, I did like the change where Shere Khan is like carrying out jungle law yes, and how like they really are discussing the ecosystem very similar to how uh in the lion king where simba says to his father um but dad i thought we eat the antelope and he goes yes son but let me explain and it's this whole great circle of life that he has with mufasa and they discuss it and it kind of carries over here not in so many words that i like but to your point Of doesn't Mowgli know better? Mowgli knows. He knew too much. Before any of this happened. Mowgli. Is speaking Hindu. And yet at the same time. Being taught English. And he speaks it fluently. Yes. From the age of like four. And he goes into the jungle. And he's calling out things. Bagheera. Baloo things that he knows, things that he was taught.
1: Which are the Hindi words for a bear, a panther. That was what Rudyard Kipling put into the book. That's not something that was Disney-fied.
0: But for him to be speaking two languages fluently before the age of five, and then he can speak no words at all other than Baloo and Bagheera by the time he's, oh, I don't know, 25 or 30 it, it doesn't make any sense.
1: I can kind of overlook that and chalk it up to if you don't use it, you lose it. But even I'll admit that that's a reach because he knew the language enough. Uh, and even though he's isolated and the only beings that he's talking to are animals, he can still talk to them. He, he still has something to bounce off of. It's not like he's just... You know, completely on his own, where there's nothing, there's no interaction whatsoever. What really bothers me more than anything else, I don't know if you caught this in Sam Neill's opening narration. Uh, he says that Mowgli's father is the guide to the English expedition. So you have to assume that Mowgli has all of this knowledge above and beyond yeah. the average person. Because his dad is, you know, teaching these people how to survive in the jungle.
0: Right. Instead, he just floats down the river yelling, Papu.
1: See, that's where I'll buy that he got lost if the river carried him very far away. But you would think that with all of this fire, too, he'd have a point to get back to that he could see. Fire,
0: people screaming. And it doesn't seem... Here's the thing. They end up in this city later on in the movie that Mowgli just goes to and from with like no real effort other than having to run. It would be implied that they were close to him the entire time. How did nobody find him? Right. How did no one find him? They well,
1: just assumed he was dead. Exactly. So they weren't
0: looking for him. But when they're exploring, it, they are not that far from the city that they have like settled in.
1: That's a big miss in this film because, okay, you have the time jump. We see Kitty now comes back with, I, I guess, I don't know if it's a finishing school, if we can call it that. But there are other girls that are learning to paint and things like that. Uh, so she's not just back there with her father, but it almost seems like... They went away and there were no other expeditions for years in the time that they were, you know, four or five years old to now full grown adults. So so it's at
0: least 20 years. You got to figure it's at least 20, maybe, maybe 15 years.
1: I'll buy that she didn't come back because she went off to school. But as far as how nobody else was there and there were there were no other, you know, tours or or even, uh, you know, Sam Neill's got the whole English army with him. Yeah. Nobody was there?
0: Apparently not. How did you feel about the introduction of Bagheera and Baloo versus how they handled it in the original
1: film? It was just kind of like plop here you go. They didn't even have like a big reveal. It was super disappointing. More more for Bagheera. With yeah. Baloo I like I, I, I actually do like that change where Mowgli met him as a cub and saved him and they grew up together. I'll I re- buy that.
0: I really like the introduction to Baloo.
1: With Bagheera, it's sort of like,
0: okay, here I am and I'm deciding I'm not going to kill you. Um, I thought what they did well here, and this was something you talked about earlier, having the animals not talk, you still gave them a persona. You still gave them a voice, even though they don't actually speak. And I thought that they actually did that very well. I thought that the the introduction to Bagheera is sort of anticlimactic, and that tale, the tale that that Mowgli, oh, has to, he... it's horrible. It's laughably bad. But I thought that Bagheera. It, I mean, really, it's it's the animal actor. It. it does he emote? I guess he emotes. Like, you could just see in his eyes, and maybe it's the way that they shot it. And and perhaps because we know the story of the Jungle Book, so we're predisposed to knowing how Bagheera really is. Mm-hmm. I thought that he had a voice, even though he couldn't speak. But maybe it's just because we know the character from the original film. I don't know. I'm still kind of like I'm hemming and hawing on that a little bit.
1: Um I also feel like you sort of buried Bagheera a little bit. Not just by not having him speak, but I feel like he was less influential in Mowgli's life than yeah. all of these other like I feel like the elephants played a bigger role in his life than Bagheera did. Yeah. And Bagheera's his protector, which they do present in this film, but he's just not he's not as much a part of the day to day i guess um to circle back to the to the not talking though i actually like that for this version of it um you know it's different with Favreau's because he set out to make the live action remake to walt disney's film yes um and at the time I I remember you know it was kind of a controversial thing because it's like how can you call it a live action remake when all of these animals are CGI? Well, it's live action because Mowgli was a live action actor in that version. Right. Um I think for this version especially because they're leaning into the action adventure Indiana Jones genre, I think it all worked. Um but with all that being said, I feel like you lost these two characters quite a bit. I could live without Baloo not being that mentor figure that Mowgli looks up to. Um, it it makes me actually wonder what would have happened had Frank and Ali had this sort of a storyline to play off of with where they are the same age. Because, you know, that relationship between Baloo and Mowgli, like, we we spent so much time in our review of the Jungle Book talking about it and how that was fleshed out with Frank and Ali's own friendship. It would have been interesting to see what they did if they were more on more the same age.
0: I think that's the part of this that's so, like, it's sort of interesting to me that we're going to sit here and talk about the Jungle Book And we're not going to discuss Baloo's relationship with Mowgli because they don't really have one. Right. Like the most relationship you see is when Baloo fake fights Mowgli so that it looks like Mowgli protected Kitty. Right. Other than that, they don't have much of a relationship until the very end. I don't want to jump too far into the movie. But it's just so strange that you're going to talk about the Jungle Book. And you're talking about Mowgli with a love interest and a treasure hunt movie and Bagheera and, and Baloo are more or less afterthoughts.
1: Right. And I, I get that's not the tone necessarily that they were going for to have the animals play such a prominent role to be, you know, like a sidekick to Mowgli. But I would have liked to see just for the sake of the friendship with Baloo, more instances like that one that we got, because it was only that one where, right. you know, there's kind of a wink and a nudge and Baloo is helping him along and helping him to woo Kitty back almost, uh, you know, and if there were just more things that Baloo helped to stage. Instead, you know, they ride the elephants later on and it, it's just not the same. It definitely loses that. So let's
0: talk now about when... Kitty comes back into the picture because this is where the movie really takes a left turn from what the original film was, because it's from this point forward that we get into a love film. That's also a treasure hunt. Like this almost becomes like Tarzan meets romancing. The stone is kind of what this movie becomes from here moving forward. Right. Um, I like her with, I I guess like you said, it's a finishing school. I like that it's very clear that she is not like the other girls that are in this class that Plumford is teaching, that she is going to want to be with the animals. She's going to want to explore. I thought that that was a good introduction to the adult version of Kitty, and Mm -hmm. I found her to be believable.
1: I agree. I think that comes from the first time we meet her is not through or meet her as an adult, I should say. Uh, It's not through Mowgli's POV. We just meet her on her own. We see that she's not fitting in. We see that she's more daring than these other girls. Uh, So I think it was good that they separated the two before they brought them back together for the audience.
0: Yeah, I, I had to bite my tongue no less than three times because I wanted to compare it to Jane from the animated Tarzan. But I'm trying so hard not to do that because this came first and it it preceded it by many years.
1: But the, it's it's very hard not to, though, because even the era that this is taking place in in real life yeah. is the same as Tarzan. Like, the clothes are very similar. Yeah. It's very hard not to. Let me ask you something. Yeah. What do you think of the way that they handled King Louis? I
0: liked how they handled King Louis. I thought the animal actor was great. I love the fact that he literally just puts a crown on his head that he found. Um, the only thing that I wish they would have done with him was... I, I wish that they would have fleshed out his relationship with Mowgli a little bit more because the whole thing with King Louie is that he's drawn to Mowgli because he wants to know how to make the red flower. He wants to know the secret behind man's red fire because if he has the fire, he has control. Control over Shere Khan, control over everything. The King Louie here almost kind of feels like what Baloo was in the first movie where he's kind of like, I'm hanging out, I'm a trickster, I'm having fun, but I'm also going to send Ka to kill you. Like, I do like the character of King Louie here. Um, I feel like I like these characters more if I'm not comparing them to the original Jungle Book. The way that they're all introduced... The role that they play, I like it better if I'm looking at this as a completely separate
1: film. Right, because this is where it's not just having Kitty back in the picture and feeling like Tarzan. This is where it really feels like a departure from the Jungle Book because they introduced the idea of this monkey city where there's all this treasure. right? And this is where it really starts to feel like Indiana Jones. Um, I like how they tied the two together because we were talking about earlier how kitty gave mowgli her mother's bracelet right uh one of the monkeys takes it that leads mowgli to monkey city to get it back and i guess that's where i i sort of got confused because mowgli knew of monkey city i think but he had never been there it seemed like um and it also seemed like this was his first time meeting King Louis, and he earned the respect because he he fights Ka and he wins. Right. Um, And now Mowgli's got this bracelet back. He returns it to Kitty, and that's how she figures out who, who he, is. he is. Yeah. Um. But yeah, complete left turn from the Jungle Book at this point, just from the parallel of Kitty and, and from this introduction of the treasure hunt element.
0: Right. Then you get introduced to Captain Boone. Um and he's a cheese ball, but he's supposed to be. Um how did you feel about him being introduced? I guess my my big question is do you on on repeat viewings, do you buy him as a credible villain?
1: Yeah, he's insufferable in all the right ways for me.
0: I agree. I
1: completely agree. So smug. And it it just right down to his mustache.
0: He's every British villain. Yes. (laughs) Right. That's like trying to seek treasure or they have an ulterior motive. He is of all of these characters in this film. Actually, William Boone is the closest thing to a Disney animated character come to life out of all of the characters in this movie.
1: I would agree with that. He gives it that level of panache. And then he gets increasingly dislikable because it's not just all of these aggressions that he's making at Mowgli, but his treatment of Kitty, the further they go in their relationship, the worse he is treating her. And it it just makes him, yeah, you love to hate him. For and sure. and then you really like just flat out hate him by the end of it.
0: Correct. I a hundred percent agree with you. Um, now, okay, so he fight Mowgli fights Boone and his men because they just keep calling him a savage and whatever. Um, and then they all go back to their city, which Mowgli kind of just shows up at, and he lets himself into the palace, a la Aladdin. Um. Yep. Yeah, right. And if now, now you can really com- make a compare and contrast here because Aladdin came out the year before this did. It's basically the exact same thing that Aladdin did. But I can't help but keep coming back to: it took no effort to get here. How, like, like how were you never found? How did nobody ever find you? And then there's a line later that. Um, Apparently, there was folklore about him because Kitty says to Boone after he's got him locked up. Well, this this we think this is the boy raised by animals. Right. So apparently they knew who he was. They knew who he was the entire time. They just didn't know it was the same little boy that got separated from the group. But they knew of the boy that was that was raised by the animals.
1: And that's like the last trace of Jungle Book you have at this point, because now it feels like three different films, none of which are Jungle Book.
0: Correct. But it's just so strange that, I keep, again, repeating myself, They somehow they knew he was there. Right. And nobody nobody thought to rescue him. Or bring him into the city, but he comes and goes as he pleases, a la Aladdin. It, it's just, it's 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 odd. It, the whole thing is just kind of strange.
1: No, and that run through the town as Mowgli's trying to escape Boone's men really feels like Aladdin. I mean, I can appreciate that they shot on location in India, but my goodness, if that doesn't feel like one jump.
0: And it's a massive city. It's not like it's a little like settlement. It's a massive city, right? In the middle of the jungle. It, it, it's just, it was kind of strange. Let's talk about when they do decide that they're going to research Mowgli and they're going to teach him to be a man and reintroduce him to man's world. At this point, and Plumford says it to Kitty at one point, he's a fast learner because he learns English so quickly. And he's putting together full sentences very quickly. That to me would make sense if they if it's like muscle memory if they're just reintroducing this language that he was speaking you know fluently at the age of you know four or five years old um, that made sense that he would catch on so quickly mm-hmm. um, it's a nineties montage it's it's every nineties montage you have ever seen.
1: And it's also the Tarzan montage, like yep. literally right down to the slideshow where they're just pointing out all these different objects in these pictures. But I can't say that it's derivative because this film did it first and they did it so well because we've not said it yet. Plumford is played by the absolutely incredible John Cleese and I feel like he improved a lot here.
0: John Cleese is very John Cleese in this movie. And that I mean that in all of the right ways. Um, yeah. It, now, I think... Let me ask you. Because this came out first, now that we're thinking about it in retrospect, did Tarzan rip this movie off?
1: You know... It's... Uh, I, yeah, actually. I mean... You kind of I don't want to say that I forgot about this movie because we did see it in theaters, like I said. And we also because my brother liked The Jungle Book so much, we did get this a lot. We rented it a lot. So I had seen it quite a few times growing up. Um, But because you don't necessarily grow up on this one, so to speak, the way you do with the animated films, it kind of goes to the back burner and, you know, Tarzan is the focus. So when I think of the scene like this, I immediately go to Tarzan. But no, I think it's safe to say that Tarzan ripped this off.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. Let's talk about how Mowgli's relationship with Boone starts to shift. Because Boone at first was not about them speaking him or or teaching him to speak English and teaching him to be a man, but it's brought to his attention. If he learns to talk, he learns to speak and plants the seed because they've already found the dagger. It plants the seed that they can use Mowgli to get to the treasure. What do you think about the relationship that we get now between Boone and Mowgli?
1: I was actually going to ask you the same thing. Um, here's the thing I mean we we said Boone is such a great villain, three ways to Sunday, you know right um, I think his attitude towards Mowgli comes from jealousy. I think that he recognizes that there's just always gonna be this thing between Mowgli and Kitty, and I think that he realized early on. And I think he was supposed to realize early on that it was more than just, oh, my God, I'm so happy that my friend from childhood came back in my life. I think that he saw Mowgli as a threat from the jump. Um, But what I really love is how their relationship comes to a head where... Boone is starting to the layers are peeling back and you can see that he's really phoning it in that he's not a nice person that this is all a front Uh, and you start to see it in his relationship with Kitty but where it all comes to a head is that Mowgli is now speaking not just full sentences of English but he's really starting to think on his own and feel on his own. So William takes him on this tour of the the palace pal- that they're Agrabah in, right. for argument's <laughs> the, the, sake. Y- yeah. It's the palace. Um and they get to this room where all of the hunting trophies are. And you can see that Mowgli is immediately uncomfortable. Um, and it's not just the hunting trophies, but um Boone is also showing him weapons, and he's like, right. Oh, if you have plunge this in and opening up and like Boone's you know he's military he's a war guy he's he's really into this uh and it's just such a great plot point it's a great character moment because you know they're talking about these weapons and they're coming at it from two totally different points of view right Mowgli doesn't understand He doesn't even understand killing for survival and he's certainly not going to understand killing for sport. Right. So it's really interesting to watch Mowgli kind of feeling off-put by Boone to not really trusting him and also not knowing exactly what that is to then realize that people who he's had an otherwise wonderful experience with up to this point are maybe not as wonderful as they seem. And then it sort of takes you back and, and it's almost like a sucker punch because we've seen how far he's come in this montage with learning. And then we realize, wait, he's missed those critical years of developing his people skills. So he knows he doesn't like Boone, but he doesn't, he, he can't understand exactly why, and then that's taken one step further. This scene really is just so brilliant in the way that it's written because uh, Boone is talking about killing your enemies right? and killing people you hate, and Mowgli goes, what's hate? And it's just such a brilliant line and, and such a, a wonderful message for this movie to send that hate has to be taught.
0: And Mowgli says, maybe someday you'll hunt me.
1: Yes. The whole scene is,
0: it's a really well done scene. It's well shot, it's well acted, it's well written, it's well directed. This is probably the best scene in the entire movie.
1: I think so. It's certainly my favorite scene. You can just cut the tension with a knife and then they do take it one step forward because now Boone is trying to pursue Kitty. He's even sort of bribed her dad into getting his blessing for their marriage. So, they get engaged, sort of. Like, he asks, but she doesn't answer, and then she's shanghaied by it later in a very public engagement. Um, But I love how this engagement is a vehicle for Mowgli to realize everything that he doesn't want to be. Well,
0: because I think that... I got a little confused with this engagement because Boone proposes to Kitty, and she goes... I'd love to, but my father's going to send me away. And he says, your father thinks this is the better deal, which was what, which is what Bryden had said to Kitty, that he was going to send her away to find a husband unless a better deal came forward. Right. But then at this like public announcement, I thought it's implied that Bryden didn't know about the engagement until after it was done. Because he says, oh, this engagement, which I found out after the fact, but I'm still going to give my blood. It's not the exact dialogue, but it's mm-hmm. something to that effect. And you can see Kitty gives him him being uh, Boone a look. And then Boone's men throw Mowgli through a table like a Dudley boy in the 90s in the WWF. And nobody seems to blink an eye, not even really Kitty. Um And Mowgli runs out because now he sees that people aren't so great. And that's when the engagement falls apart. It was just a little confusing. I couldn't tell whether she broke off the engagement because she wanted to be with Mowgli. I couldn't tell if she broke off the engagement because she realized that Boone is not such a great person. Or if she broke off the engagement because Boone lied about having her father's blessing before he even asked her.
1: I think... Little column A, little column B, and maybe even some of C, <laughs> there is a lot going on here. Um her father didn't know about the engagement because it didn't happen. When Boone asks her the first time, it was in private, and she doesn't really give him an answer because there was a distraction. Mm-hmm. And they kind of just shelved it. And then he sees her feelings start to show for Mowgli. So now he's like, all right, I'm going to make this big presentation of it. I'm going to lock this down. The reason I'm led to believe that he sort of bribed her father is because what we were talking about with there's a better deal. I thought that Boone was sort of lording it over her father's head because, you know, his father. Her father doesn't want her to go back. Right. He wants her to stay. He's going to miss her too much. So I thought the whole thing was I will marry her to keep her here. Right. And that's why her father agreed to it. So I think he knew that Boone was going to propose. He just didn't know he had yet.
0: Got it. Okay.
1: And then that falls apart even more because Kitty never really gives him an answer. She never does. Even the second time, he just puts the ring on her finger and that's it.
0: Right. So now Mowgli runs off to the jungle and Kitty decides she's not going to marry Boone and her father is going to send her away to England but joins her on the journey when they are then basically intercepted by Boone and his men who shoot her father. Boone did not know the father was going to be there and is more or less just set on leaving him to die in the jungle. But they're all, all of this is being done because they know they can lure Mowgli out of hiding because Mowgli's never going to let anything happen to Kitty.
1: And they still want him to take them to Monkey City. What
0: I forgot about this is that they shoot Baloo.
1: Totally. I, I think, especially for you, you'd kind of have to, right?
0: I'm telling you I didn't make it this far in the one time I had seen this movie prior to this prior to this week when we sat to watch
1: it. I totally forgot about it as well. And that's where I mean you know Boone's a bad guy. Obviously we've seen Kitty reject him, but this is where you see how bad he really is because he's barking orders at all of these people. You know they they turn on their on their leader, right. on Kitty's father. They're supposed to be listening to him and you know, now they've completely gone rogue. And at this point, to me, Boone is and his entire gang here are just so insufferable. I cannot wait to see the jungle take them out one by one like a 90s slasher flick.
0: And that's exactly what happens. Exactly. They fall off cliffs. They get quicksand. Qu- quicksand. sheer Khan. Like, everything. Like, one after another after another. Then you get the scene where... Now at this point, Boone just wants treasure. He doesn't really even want Kitty anymore. But like, I guess Kitty to him is like another form of treasure because he keeps telling her, "We can have this, and we can be wealthy, and you we can, can have
1: be that couple."
0: Because clearly, after you leave her father for dead in the jungle, she's going to marry you because you have King Louis' treasure. Right. So that kind of that's weak a little bit. I I kind of felt like, to me, I wish that he would have just. Like, in other words, like, they kept her as a captive so that she didn't find help with the ultimate goal that they were going to kill her and Mowgli after they got to Monkey City to get the treasure. Right. Like, this whole, like, no, I can still have a life with you because I kind of just killed your dad and I'm going to kill Mowgli. But I have I have diamonds, so it'll be cool. I wish they would have leaned a little bit off of that and more into the greed where, really, they're just keeping her alive until she has exceeded her usefulness
1: I would agree with that I also don't like that you know Boone's got he he picks up a bag he knows he's got to get out of this temple now because it's going to collapse or whatever like you can just tell something's about to happen and you know he's going to try and escape with something what I don't like is that Kitty tries to double back for something And she says as much. She's like, oh, this is so much treasure. We need it. We need it. And and Mowgli says something to the effect of this is...
0: This treasure only brings death. Only
1: brings death. Yes, exactly. Those are the exact lines. Good job. I didn't remember (laughs) exactly what he said. Um, For me, it was so out of character of Kitty to do that. Like, I could understand if she wanted to grab a piece for research or, or something historic... But I was like, really? You want a string of pearls?
0: And the thing is, the temple didn't bring death because it wasn't like some mythical supernatural thing that was protecting the treasure. Right. It's just that King Louis is going to clap a bunch of times and Ka's going to show up and kill you, which is exactly what happens to Boon. So the the treasure brings death, but not really. It's King Louis' security that brings death.
1: But I also think that that is Mowgli's view of yes. man because, yes. you know, he says in that scene with Boone, the more I see what man is like, the less I want to become one or or the more I want to be, be an, an animal. animal. Yes. So I think from Mowgli's point of view, the treasure is kind of the same thing as weapons. You know, we know at this point that he wants to uphold the jungle law, obviously, but for as much as he's learned and as much as he appreciates what Kitty and Plumford have done and as much as he wants to assimilate, he's just seen too much negativity. So obviously, you know, when it gets to that showdown with Shere Khan, it's very easy for Shere Khan to accept him because Mowgli has rejected all of these ideas.
0: And this was actually a change that I liked. Um I like that Shere Khan lives. I like that Shere Khan and Mowgli have a mutual respect for each other, that they have a mutual respect of that jungle law. Um, I actually felt that this worked for this version because the big bad is Boon. It doesn't need to be a Shere, uh, Shere Khan. So I think, I think it works that they have this like ecosystem balance somewhere.
1: I agree. Um, especially with the mutual respect. I don't, Love not having Shere Khan as the main villain, but I think for this version where he is a subplot, it certainly works, and and I like how they ended that final confrontation.
0: All right, let's talk about the characters here. Jason Scott Lee plays Mowgli. Um, again, it takes getting used to because you are used to the man-cub. Um, this is now a full-grown adult, but for this version of the film... I really liked Jason Scott Lee. I thought he gave Mowgli a great voice. I think he carried the burden of wanting to maintain um, the jungle law, and he carried, uh, he carried um, a very unique innocence about him um, that was, and I don't mean this offensively, but it was sort of childish in a way, but it worked.
1: I couldn't agree more. You needed that childlike quality because Mowgli is sort of frozen in time as a five-year-old as far as his world view goes because he's been cut off from people. And for as much as he's learned to survive and he's manned up in that regard, he's still, you know, it's like we talked about it a couple of weeks ago with Beauty and the Beast, is that the Beast is frozen in time, he just doesn't know how to act. And the same applies here. And I think that Jason Scott Lee did an incredible job of portraying that, but he also gave Mowgli such a gravity. And like, this is where as much as I miss Mowgli, the man cub for that scene with the confrontation with Boone, he gave Mowgli such a gravity. And that's where it's like, wow, you know, this really does work. Seeing Mowgli as an adult, seeing how he did have to mature. That's the other thing. He was forced to mature so quickly. Um, I love how, Jason Scottley managed to give him such a quality of of ownership of deciding who he wants to be.
0: Right. Carrie Elwes plays Captain William Boone. Uh, it's sort of strange, in a way, seeing Princess Bride as the villain here, <laughs> but he, he's actually my favorite character in the movie. For all of the reasons we talked about before, I think he is the closest thing you have to an animated character. I actually think this villain is underappreciated in the Disney canon um yeah I really really liked him a lot
1: I couldn't agree more uh just every line it was just like dripping with evil the way that he just had this drawl um yeah I, I would agree he's probably my favorite character in this movie
0: Lena Headey plays Kitty I like Lena Headey in the role I like the character but i feel like it could have been anybody it's and it's not it's not a shot at the actress the character's good and i can, i have to stop going oh but mini driver like, but you know <laughs> but there's there's the character's good but there's nothing that special about her
1: i would agree i like the character but Really, anyone could have portrayed her. I would have actually liked to see Kate Winslet take a crack out of it, although she might have been slightly too young because she was, yeah, she was 20 when she did Titanic. So this would have been five years prior. Mm-hmm. But she did, actually, no, she did Kid in King Arthur's Court. But what was that, like 97, yeah. 98, maybe?
0: 96, 97. Something like that.
1: I don't know. I think she could have pulled it off probably.
0: Uh, Sam Neill plays Colonel Bryden. I love Sam Neill.
1: What else do we need to say? What else do you need
0: to say? It's the same thing as John Cleese. John Cleese as Dr. Plumford. I love John Cleese. What I love about him here is he brings the funny, but he has such a great relationship with Mowgli. Yes. Um, That I think that this is one of the more special characters in the film.
1: I appreciate that he didn't treat Mowgli as a case study uh and I think that comes from that he knew him as a young boy that he felt bad he couldn't save his father I think that's part of it is that he wanted to play a paternal role to him um but I like that they didn't sort of get stuck in that role of, of treating him as the patient because that's how it's pitched to Sam Neill when Kitty and Plumford decide that they want to work with him, they're like, oh, this will be so interesting. So good for my education. Meanwhile, it's, I think they sort of felt a responsibility to save Mowgli. Um, And I think that definitely comes through for Plumford. And then I, I love the end when he saves Baloo. Spoiler alert, Baloo does live, even though he gets shot. Um, But I think he even just had such an affection for Baloo too, that, that came through in that little moment at the end. But He's perfection in everything he does. We love him. I want to say, in light of losing Betty White recently, I just want to show the John Cleese love while he's still here with us.
0: Yes. Same for Dick Van Dyke. But we have waxed poetic about Dick Van Dyke so many times. Um... Jason Fleming plays Lieutenant John Wilkins, and the only reason why I bring this character up is because Wilkins is, again, it's a product of the time, is every overacted 90s victim in the history of overacted 90s victims. Wide-eyed, shrill scream, dead. That's that character. It was a 90s thing.
1: It, It was him. That's a great observation. I really have nothing to add. That's very funny.
0: Uh, it's like when Jack's buddy gets killed in Titanic when that when that that chimney stack falls on him and he just sits there and just screams at it. It's like,
1: move, move, move.
0: And he just screams and gets crushed.
1: The scream is also very Marv in Home Alone.
0: Yes, it is. Another great example. Do you see? These are all products of their time. Okay, so... Final say: Is this movie a product of its time? Um, I think to an extent it is. I I think the obsession with making things into a love story and trying to have romcoms and romance and everything, um, I don't. I mean, in the, it was just the nineties thing. You know, you didn't have it as much in the eighties. Eighties, you had a lot of like the really cheesy action films where there was like a love interest but it was not a love story right I feel like the 90s tried to overcompensate for that but like they went extra with it when it wasn't necessary Um, I like the score Uh, the music I think is great I love that it's shot on location I think that the costumes are great I really like the story I like the characters as a treasure hunt movie I like this movie it's, it's like Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. If you call it Halloween 3, the movie's terrible. If you call it Season of the Witch, the movie's really good. Is this terrible if you call it the Jungle Book? No, but I like it better if you don't consider it the Jungle Book.
1: I agree. I really enjoy this movie for what it is. I would love this movie if it was not the Jungle Book. I like the treasure hunt element. I like, as you said, the the costumes, the setting. Everything about it is great. The cast, incredible. The characters are great. They're well-developed. They push the story forward. You've got all the elements of a great movie here. It is a great movie. I just don't like it as the Jungle Book. I would even go so far as to say I love this as the live action remake of Tarzan.
0: Yes. Yeah. I think if you I think if this movie came out this year and they called it Disney's Tarzan, we'd be going this is the best live action interpretation that Disney has done.
1: Worth noting if you are interested in seeing it, we rented this off of Amazon Prime. It is not on Disney Plus, which we were very surprised to find yet. Um
0: I mean it's going to get there eventually.
1: I'm sure it will because that was the other thing we we were sitting there looking for it and we were like why can't we find this and we were wondering if there was maybe something that was so offensive it was not going up on Disney plus not the case at all I have no idea why it's not there.
0: I guess they, owe, they owed Amazon some licensing, and they didn't mind about giving this one up for a little while, because the movie was shot on a $30 million budget and only made $40 million at the box office. Got good reviews, but it is a flop. It is a box office
1: bomb. It's like 80% on Rotten Tomatoes now, though, Yeah, which is kind of interesting. But it's, it's definitely worth a watch. Um... I I would say it's worth paying for to check Uh, it out. Yeah. I mean, if you have Disney Plus, yeah, maybe wait for it. But if you're interested and if you like The Jungle Book that much or you like Tarzan that much... Rent it. Why not?
0: And we want to know what you have to say. If you have seen this movie, you can let us know on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Monoreal Radio. You can also email us, monorealradio at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for joining us this and every week on Monoreal Radio. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate us on Verbal or your podcast platform of choice. You can also follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Monoreal Radio. Again, you can email us. We love hearing from you. Uh, monorealradio at gmail.com and for links to all of the social media the email and everything else that there is to find on us it is online at monorealradio.com for Jackie I'm Sean have a magical week everyone on behalf of Monoreal Radio we'd like to thank you for joining us we'll see you at the movies the stuff dreams are made of